Let me share with you a story from Joshua Harris's book called Stop Dating the Church. Jack, Jack and Grace met through a mutual friend. From day, from day one, they felt like they were a perfect match. Grace was everything that Jack ever wanted in a female. She was beautiful, outgoing, and caring, always there when Jack needed her. For the first five months, they were inseparable. Jack could hardly think of anything except for Grace. He didn't need to look further. He told his friends that she is the one. Now almost three years have passed. Jack still enjoys the comfort and familiarity of being with Grace, but the spark is gone. Grace's flaws seem more obvious than ever before. He's not sure he finds her as attractive as he once did. And he's beginning to resent all the time that he is spending with her. One night, when she asked them to define their relationship, which in student ministry terms is a thing called DTR, Jack blows up and says, We're together, aren't we? Why isn't that enough for you? Obviously, Jack isn't ready for commitment. And it's unclear if he ever will be. Have you ever been in a relationship like this? God has something better for you. He wants you in a relationship that is defined by both passion and commitment. But before you can take this wonderful plan that God has for you this morning and understand what it truly means, you need to know something about this couple. There are millions of Jacks walking around today. And grace isn't a girl. Grace is the church. I want to ask you a question this morning. And, and the question I want to ask you that, that is going to be our focus uh, in the book of Ephesians this morning is this. Are you married to the church or are you just merely dating the church? Dating in the aspect of being just, just with the church, just being with someone, or being married as if being completely committed to someone. See, God has created an institution that is, I what I believe, the most precious thing on earth. And his people should be completely committed to it and be, and be doing what God has intended for us to do. The scripture this morning that we are going to look at, it gives us an intensity and a depth of the love of Christ and the love that Christ has for his church, the most precious thing on earth. So if you have your Bibles with me this morning, please turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. You probably this morning, as I read this passage, have never heard a passage, this passage preached in the way that I'm going to preach it this morning. Because usually when we turn to Ephesians chapter 5, we are prepared. We're prepared for the, you know, husbands love your wives, wives submit to your husbands, you know, that, that, that's what we're prepared for. But I want us today to, as we read this passage, really focus and, and, and put an intent on the love that Christ has for his church. So Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start with verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her 
that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects the husband. Have you ever read that passage and just saw, you know, just really focused on the commitment and the love that Christ has for his church? I mean, it, it's important to understand that God did not derive his, insta- his inspiration for loving the church from marriage, but rather, we need to understand this, God created marriage to illustrate his love that he has for the church. You know, marriage was here with Adam and Eve. He created that marriage to show us what the love between the bride of Christ and the bridegroom of Christ should look like. See, how much does Christ love the church? Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And did what? And gave himself up for her. He laid down his life so that we might be justified, so that we might be made right. And now he is at work making men and women of God to be called or to to be who they are called to be. He is what what, what we call in, in Christian circles, he is sanctifying us. To make, to make us the men and women that God has called us to be. See, the bridegroom's love here for his bride, it's not flighty, it's not changing, but rather it's so deep that he gave up his life for the church. He is committed to the church. He is completely sold out for the church. Just think about that day. If you've ever been to a wedding or if you've had that wedding, you're, uh, if, if, if you had... If you've been married yourself, just think about that day that um, you as a husband stood at the front of the altar and you waited for that bride to come down. I, you know, I, I, I can remember like it was yesterday. I'm, I'm standing right down at the front and I have this huge smile on my face waiting for my bride to come down this aisle. That was, that was a glorious day. And just as I waited for her and made that commitment to her, Christ is waiting for some of you to make that same commitment to him and his church that you did your spouse. He expects and longs for that same type of commitment. God created this marriage institution to show and display his love for the church. And yet so many of us, so many of us, Act like, like, like this is just a dating relationship. We like it when it first starts. You know, we come and we're like, oh, this is great music. Oh, they got a really nice cack. It's wonderful. 
They have a new welcome center. That's pretty nice. But then once we start getting, attending more, like I really don't want to, I like the church, but I don't love the church. I don't, I don't want to necessarily be committed to the church. Maybe it sounds like a conversation like this. Hey, are you seeing anyone? Yeah, I met this nice girl over on Greenwood Avenue. This nice little church. Oh, is that right? Yeah, she's a really good church. I really like her. We have some good times together. So how long have you guys been together? Oh, I've been going for uh, six to nine months now, off and on. Oh, really? Are you going through a membership process? Yeah, actually, yeah. I've actually attended five of their members' classes. You know, she's, she's really into that. It makes her happy. So, so I went. Is she attractive? Oh, yeah. You know, they have a new welcome desk. <laughs> they have a nice cack. They got pretty cool music. And, you know, they're about to possibly get a roof. It's going to make it look a lot nicer. You know, she, she's pretty fine, if I do say myself. So, I mean, are you, are you looking at, are we talking about marriage here? Oh, marriage? Oh, no. I mean, no. I'm still young, you know. And there's still a lot of churches out there that I haven't met yet. And you just don't know, you just don't want to marry the first church you come across. And to be honest, there are some things about her that are kind of, uh, I don't know, she just, she seems clingy. You know, we get together on Sundays. She wants us to be together every two hours on Sundays. And then she'll call me. She'll be like, hey, you should join a small group. <laughs> and then when I come, she tells me to turn off my cell phones and to get here on time. See, it's just never enough with her. I mean, we, we had a beautiful thing. And I just don't want to mess with it. I never said this to her, but I want to say, hey, back off. I'm not saying this is this to be proud or anything but plenty of churches would want me attending but they wouldn't want me there for they wouldn't necessarily need me there for two hours so I need to keep my options open see there are many people in today's culture who have that mindset that is not being committed to the church all you are doing there is you are dating the church. And many people date the church. Ed Stetzer, who is the researcher for Lifeway, uh, he says that the average church attender stays at a church 18 to 24 months. And, and you know what's funny about that? You know, I'll be the first one to, to complain and argue about pastors who come and they leave, you know, uh, a year, year and a half, two years. I'll be the first one to complain about that. But 
Church members, you guys are the ones who complain about it too, and you're the ones who are leaving churches every 18 to 24 months. You have no excuse to complain about that if that's the way you are acting too. So I pray that we have pastors who stay and have longevity, and I pray we have members who stay and have longevity, who are committed to this church, to this body. Or maybe you're someone who just likes your routine, You know, don't mess up my routine. I need my Sunday fix. It's almost like a drug to you. It's it's so much, I I just go, I I have to have it. This is my habit. And then once I get my Sunday fixed, then I can be gone. I can be good. I'm fine. See, we long here at Mount Pleasant, we long to see the church of Christ love the church. We long to see everyone committed to the local body, committed to this local church, just as Christ is committed to it. Because this is the dearest place on earth. Think about how Christ cherishes his bride. In Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, he says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, Okay, when he says us, he's speaking to the church of Rome. So he's talking about the church. He shows his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is commitment. That is love. See, see, Jesus loves the church. He loves it sacrificially. And his sacrifice was not for the lovely and it wasn't for the worthy, but rather his love and his sacrifice was for the unloving and the unworthy. Us. His body. God can expect and command this this kind of love from us whom we belong to because he has given us the capacity to love others because he first loved us. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. I am so astounded by, I've been in ministry for 12 years. Okay, not that long, it's not a long time, but you know, I've kind of gotten grounded in it. I've been in ministry for 12 years. I'm so astounded by the words that are said to other Christians from Christians. We are our worst enemies with the way we treat one another, with the way we talk about one another, the way we talk to one another. There is a commandment from Scripture to love His church as Christ has loved the church. I want to ask some of you today, with the way you talk to and about one another, is that the way Christ loves the church? Because that is where our heart needs to be. That is the way we, that's what we need to long for. That's what we need to desire. Just like a husband is not commanded to love his wife and be committed to her because of what she has done or not done, he is commanded to love her because it is God's will for him to love her. And he has made that commitment to do so. My wife isn't called to love me because of who I am, because of what I've done for her. She is called to love me because I am her husband. And she has made that commitment to do so. 
I have not done anything to earn that love from her. But Christ has done everything to earn our love for him and for his body. I think what we forget a lot of times when we talk about the body of Christ and we talk about the church is who is the head? Christ. So when you poke at the body, when you poke at the members, when you poke at Christians, not, you know, not only are you hurting the body, but the head realizes it, and the head is going to make sure that the body grabs whatever is hurting it. Right? I mean, if someone comes up and punches you in the stomach and keeps punching you and keeps pun- punching you, is your head going to say, okay, that's fine, just let it happen? No. At least, I hope not. I hope you do something to take away that pain. Colossians 1, 3 and 4 says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of this love that you have for all of the saints. Not for some of the saints, not for most of the saints, but the love that you have for all of the saints. That's the calling God has has placed upon our hearts this morning. So his commitment and protection for the church helps us be cleansed. It purifies us. It helps his bride look beautiful. Look at verses 26 and 27. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Christ's love and commitment to the dearest place on earth cleanses us so that one day we might be presented glorious. I can't wait for that day. That that God presents us glorious. See, His love runs so deep that He would make us free, according to this passage, He would make us free from any spot, wrinkle, without any blemish. So, let, let me interpret this for you. There will be one day when He will present you to the Father that you look completely perfect without any sin that day that Christ takes us home and friends if this does not get you excited if if this does not stir you up inside if something does not resonate within you about this type of commitment and love that Christ has for us and the love that we should have for his church and for him then I pray that your hearts would be troubled this morning. I pray that your hearts would be troubled because this is what Christ wants from us. See, this paints a picture of a, of a groom who takes a not-so-pretty orphan who hates him and, who pay, and he pays for, for her from his blood so that he would make her glorious, so that he would make her a desirable wife. That's the whole picture that we see in Romans 8, Romans 9. That that he adopts us because we're orphans. And he pays the price for us because of his blood. 
how do you see and think about each other in this body? Is it like what is described in Ephesians 5? Is it like that? Earlier on in Ephesians 5, we see in the first verse where it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So, if God loves the church, if God is committed to the church, and Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God, then there is the commandment and the call for us today to love the church and to be committed to it. Romans 8.29 tells us to be conformed to the image of His Son. That I'm conforming to look like Jesus. If you love Christ, you should love and be committed to His church, not just put up with the church, but have a passion for it. You know, there is not much thinking at all today in our society about the local church. But I want us here at Mount Pleasant to have a deep-rooted conviction about the importance of being involved in a local church because I believe Christ has that, that same deep conviction. Let me give you a few examples here. I always tell our high school seniors, right before they graduate and go off to college, uh, they are so susceptible to being pulled away from church when they attend college. They, they go off, they're not used to making these type of decisions. I say, just when you go to school, find that church. Don't wait that first week and say, I'm going to take a week off or that second, you know, that first couple of weeks. Find a local church because when you're at school, you need that place to be plugged into. And, and, and many college students go and they get disconnected and that's when, when it starts going downhill hill for them. It's because they, they're like, oh, I'm supposed to be committed to the church back home, so since I'm not there, I don't need to be committed to one. That's not what Scripture says. I'll give you another example. Is I was in ministry for a couple years, and I was planning my first Disciple Now. Um, first Disciple Now ever. This was about 11 years ago, and um, I get a call from a nonprofit organization, a uh, Christian organization, that meet in Evansville every Wednesday at like 627. It's like a weird time, like 627 every Saturday night. And they've been meeting together like for 50 years straight. And he calls me up and he says, hey, um, I hear that you are having Disciple Now this upcoming weekend. I said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, my granddaughter is planning on going to your Disciple Now. And you have a couple students that usually come to our Saturday night event. I said, okay, so what can I do for you? And he says, I want you to cancel your Saturday night event. I said, yeah, kind of like that response. Excuse me? He goes, well, we've been doing this for 50 years. They're a parachurch organization. We've been doing this for 50 years, and we're not going to cancel it, and I'd hate for your students to miss out on what we're doing on Saturday night. And I, what I thought was a gracious and loving way, explained to him, the parachurch organization is not the local church. The local church is more important than the parachurch. Now, some of, some of you are probably like, what? You did? But it's true. I will tell our college students, get involved in a local church before you get involved in BCM. 
We want them involved in BCN, the Baptist Collegiate Ministry. We think that's important. But that is not being involved in a local church. So I walked him through that, and there were some ugly things that were said. Just, how dare you destroy my ministry for, you know, what I've built up for 50 years? And it's like, you don't get it. Christ died for the church. The letters that we see written in a lot of the New Testament, they're written to the church, the church of Ephesus, the church of Philippi, the church of Colossae. They're written to the church. And we need to realize that that commitment needs to be extremely important for us. Christ is married to the church. But people want to date the church because it's the easy way out. Hey, and here's the great thing about being married to the church. Hey, Christ is never going to divorce you. You know, you don't have to worry about that divorce. You're there with him. So are you just living with the church? You know, doing certain activities that you enjoy, but not wanting to be committed to the body? Let me say this in bo both aspects. In relationships with one another, in relationships with the church, living together is not biblical. It's not biblical. Uh, I think one of the best examples I can give you this morning about this, and some of you probably know the person, some of you probably don't, um, but our chairman of the deacons, Marty Lasavica. Um, I, I love Marty. Marty is one who is, I'm telling you what, he is married to this church. If I've seen a person who's married to the church, it's Marty. And here's the reason. I see him so much in the nursery, I think that he is actually one of the kids in the nursery. I mean, he's always working in the nursery. It's for, for mops on, on, when is it, Tuesdays, Thursdays, something like that. He's always there. He's, he always has a kid in his arms. And, and, and you know why he does it? Because he loves his church. He's committed to his church. If we could have more men like that who would love the church and be committed to the church, I can't think of what God would do and, and how he would use this church. Because, because that is the type of calling he has for us. That's not, that, you know, Marty doesn't do it because he's a deacon. That's not his calling because he's a deacon. That's his calling because he is a church member of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. And Jesus' love for us was not a habit. A habit is not the same as love and commitment. And God's heart is not moved by a large group of people coming together and just having worship as a habit. He's not moved by that. He's moved by passion and he's moved by commitment. I can imagine there being a, a you know, someone renewing their vows. And they get up here, and they've been married for 25 years, and the husband gets up and he says, I love you, I care for you, I have passion for you, I've been with you for 25 years because I desire you, because I'm supposed to, because I have to, because it has been my habit. If I did that, my wife would slap me. 
Well, she probably wouldn't. She has a little more grace than that. But still, that's not the commitment that we have here or we see here. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and following. It says this. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you, will, you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in His inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion, domain of darkness and trans, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of our sins. May we be strengthened with joy and with patience. So to love correctly is to want only the best for the one that you love. Is that the type of love that you have for this church? Where you only want the best this body. The great news is that Christ seeks us. He seeks to protect us from the world so that we might be holy, so that we might have virtue, so that we might be pure in every way. When we think about the New Testament and we think about the, the times where Christ got upset at the church, what did that look like? He gets upset about division among the church, right? He gets upset about idol worship. He gets upset about religiosity, just being religious, doing it as out of habit. You know, he gets upset about the abuse of sacraments. These are the things that we see in the New Testament of ways that Christ and, and the apostles get upset at the church. Everything we see Christ condemning is something that makes his bride look ugly, look disgusting, and look impure. And many of the things that we do do that exact same thing. So, if we love the church and care for the church, we continue to make the bride look gorgeous, or Christ makes the bride look gorgeous. So church, remember that we are cleansed by the washing of water, and as Ephesians says, by the word. His word must be uh, central. His word must be what drives us. If we today are taking his word for what it's worth, then it will change how we care and love for our church. The Word shows us how to be the church, how to love the church, how to serve the church, how to be committed to the church. And we cannot detract from that. See, th th this is a, an easy topic to talk about. And, and I can feel, I can just feel the tension with some of you. 
You don't know the time that I have. I just don't have time to be committed to the church. Well, good thing Jesus didn't think like that. Good thing he didn't say, I am too busy and I don't have time for the church. Because we wouldn't have salvation otherwise. But it's not an easy topic because it gets at the heart of the major issue that we have in today's American Christian culture. The issue of being committed. Because commitment is rarely found anymore in our society. The question we need to be confronted with this morning is, is it God's design for me to be completely committed to the church God has placed me in? Or is it a primary place for me to use, is there a primary place for me to use my gifts that God has given me within the local church? And does Christ love the church, does his love for the church seem to be central throughout the scriptures? And is the local church the primary vehicle that God wants to use in proclaiming the gospel and making disciples of all nations? With love to the universal church, am I called to be completely committed to a specific local body? And to all those questions I say, and I shout, and I scream, yes, yes, yes. God has designed the church to be the primary vehicle to make disciples and to reach the nations for him. God has called us to be completely committed to the local church. God has called us to use our gifts for the local church. God, God wants us to, to understand that he has designed throughout Scripture, throughout the entire Scripture, for us to be committed because he first was committed. See, these standards and these truths are not something that we have created, that I have created, but these are from God's words, from his word. So what does that mean? What does it mean for us? What does it mean to love Christ and to love his bride? So a few things and then we'll close. First, it means biblical conviction for God's word. And if you're taking notes, just here's a couple of verses for you to write down and look up later. Ephesians 3, 7 through 13, Colossians 1, 15. Uh, just this biblical conviction of God's word. Taking God's word, hearing it even today, being convicted by it, and changing because of what his word says. The church is the dearest place on earth, and the gospel is the most sacred thing in our lives. That's his word. His word is the most sacred thing in our lives. The church is the most dearest thing here on earth. Secondly, what does it mean for us to love Christ? What does it mean for us that nothing competes with Christ and his church? Nothing competes with, with it. Read Hebrews 11. Nothing competes with Jesus Christ and him being the head and his church. Making the local church the dearest place on earth makes other places like a football field or a softball diamond or a race park not the dearest place. Why? Because those things don't compete. Thirdly, 
How does this affect us? To love Christ, to love the church, is to be demonstra- demonstrated with action, not religion. Ephesians 4.16 says, from, the whole, from whom the whole body joined and held together uh, by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That we demonstrate it with what we are doing. See, finding your place as a member here, finding your place where you serve, and, and finding how how to love, how, you know, finding finding a place to know people better, to love people better, to share with people, those are so important in your development as a believer. So some of us today have possibly never loved the church because we've never been completely committed to it. Now there might be a little bit of love here and there might be a little bit of love there. We've never completely been committed to it. We've showed its importance. I pray today that your heart would change and that you would find a new zeal within yourself to truly, truly love what God loves and cherish what God cherishes. Others might have never begun to love Jesus Christ and allowed Him to rule in their life. Because, get this, you can't love the church without loving Christ first. And without having Him as your personal Lord and Savior. So if you're a non-Christian this morning, and you're sitting here and you're like, man, this is a lot to take in. You know, the student pastor comes up and starts talking about loving the church. If you're a non-Christian, let me tell you how this applies to you. Surrender your life to Christ because he surrendered his life for you. And as you surrender your life to Christ this morning, get this, his love for you will change your love for the church. That's the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has called us all to love his body. He has called us to stop dating the church, to be married to it. If you're a Christian, your commitment is to be married to the church. If you're a non-Christian, let God draw you this morning to his name, so you can be committed to him in his local church. Let us pray.